Welcome to the Rock of Grace Cortland Campus Podcast, where we aim to lead people like you to follow Jesus together. We have a new podcast each week with a message that is prepared with you in mind. So here's this week's message. So we are opening up this week's message as we talk about my story. You can go to that next slide. My story your story, your testimony, who God has made you to be, what God has brought you through. I don't know the last time you shared your story with somebody of what God has done in your life, but we're going to have a time where we can do that later today. There's something incredible, something important about the story that God is continuing to develop through you. To bring him and his name glory and honor. So I want to start off by sharing a little bit of my testimony. So those of you who forgot, my name is Dave Brock, and I'm the pastor here at Cortland. And I have not been born and raised in Cortland. I am not from Ohio. But instead, I grew up in a Christ-loving family about 30 minutes northeast of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And apparently I keep moving more and more inward. I do miss the beach, but Lake Erie does satisfy a good chunk of that. But I grew up in a Christ-loving home. I was dedicated as a baby. I went to church weekly, regularly. One of the great things was, many of you guys know that as a church, we dedicate babies. We don't baptize, we dedicate, saying, God, we're going to follow what Hannah did in Old Testament scripture, saying, I'm going to raise my child up to follow after the Lord. And my parents followed through with that. Shout out to my parents. So my parents were both raised in Assemblies of God churches. Uh, my mom's parents' testimony is all about being baptized in the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit administered to them in the Assemblies of God church. And they wanted that for my sister and I. So they did the same thing for us. And while my parents were involved in many ways in church, I was there almost every time the door opened. I was one of those kids where I wasn't a pastor's kid, but everybody thought I was because if the church door was open, I was there. My mom was a Sunday school teacher and a kid's church leader. My dad was the church organist back when you had real organs and not uh, everything running off of my laptop. And there was all these opportunities and all these things where I got to see firsthand my parents serving in church. I grew up knowing nothing different. Other than if you love Jesus, you love his church, and you show Jesus you love his church by serving in his church, serving in his body, being committed and faithful through thick and thin to say, God, I know you've called me here, and I'm going to invest in the body that you have blessed me with. And these were the things that defined my faith and ultimately led me to knowing and following Jesus. And I remember, well, I vaguely remember, that at four years old, I gave my life to Christ. I was in the bathtub, and my mom said, do you want to pray this prayer with me? Not many people can say they got saved in a bathtub, but here I was, four years old. And I can honestly say I have genuinely pursued Jesus every day of my life since. Some days were better than others. But it set an example for me with my son. Some of you guys who are friends with me on Facebook now know that I'm out of Facebook jail again. My account got hacked. But uh, I shared last night about how I've been singing songs with my son, taking out my guitar, 
and we sing songs. And right now, I'm the only person in my house he lets sing with him. He wouldn't let any of my uh, in-laws or anybody else sing, but he'll sing with me. And we've been working through teaching him the song, Jesus Loves Me. You know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. If you know this, sing this with me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. There's something so peaceful about that song. My prayer is that as my son learns these songs, they are not just songs, but they are reminders. And they are for him the foundation that is laid before him so that one day, maybe in a bathtub, my son will make a choice to follow Jesus himself. I remember being at kids camp in fifth grade Parents, if you're ever hesitant about sending your kid to a church camp, let me encourage you, lives are changed there. My life was changed there for the better. Because I remember in fifth grade at kids camp that God called me to be a pastor. Not many fifth graders successfully really know what they're going to do with their life, right? You know, everybody's going to be an actor, an astronaut, maybe an actor astronaut who's in space, or just a slew of different things. Many of my friends were honestly Catholic. They didn't quite understand what that meant when I said, I'm going to be a pastor. So you're not going to get married? You're not going to have kids? No, 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 no. I'm not Catholic. We can do this. I can get married. I can have kids. And here I am, I'm married, and I have a beautiful baby boy who's turning two this week. My, does time go by. See, it was this foundation that allowed me to see God's hand at work when my family faced severe financial hardship when I was a teenager, but I learned to trust God more and more throughout those seasons. And some of you might be hearing this story and you're saying, wow, Pastor Dave had it easy. I promise you I didn't. I promise you I can elaborate on any aspect of my testimony and I can show you the valleys. There's a lot there. But the part that I really wanted to share with you guys as my testimony is the foundation of my faith, the foundation of my testimony. And that's what led me to following Jesus today, was the foundation that was laid before me, the foundation that I hope and pray and set forth each day, or at least intend to, for my son to have before him. And for all you parents or grandparents in this room, or people that are praying to be parents, or so to seeing what God has for you in life, let me encourage you that the best gift you can give your children is a foundation that leads them to understanding and knowing the peace and the mercy and grace of Jesus at the mountaintops and in the valleys. But see, I grew up under the belief that you didn't really have a good testimony unless you had a tragic moment in your life. I don't know about you, maybe somebody else in this room has grown up in church and you just kind of like, if you were there, you're like, cool, we're super proud that this person just got saved, but like, I grew up in church, I got saved. Sometimes I feel like we don't celebrate those things. 
So I grew up believing that in order to have a powerful testimony, I had to have a dirty past. I had to have something that I was so ashamed of. But as I've grown, I've learned that there is a powerful testimony in what the Lord has built within me and before me. Is it a powerful testimony that I didn't have these insane struggles? Absolutely. But is that what defines a powerful testimony? No. So first off, if your testimony is similar to mine, maybe you've thought the same thing and asked, how can my testimony be powerful? Who's going to hear my story and come to Jesus because I didn't struggle with something? But I'm here to tell you that your testimony is powerful because of what God has done for you when you are unaware of it. And the groundwork of those who have been pouring into that foundation. Don't rob God of the glory for the things that he didn't need to deliver you from. But if you're on the other end of this, don't think that because your story includes things that you feel shamed by or that quote-unquote means you have a past, don't think that that makes your story or your history something that God will not use for his good. See, there is no right or wrong testimony. There is just your story, your testimony of what God is doing in your life and has done in your life. And each one of them are unique and unique for a purpose. Do not rob God of the glory that is found in your story. Revelation 12, 11. If you have your Bibles, your Bible apps, you can open them up. I'll have it up here on the screen as we always do. And it reads this. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. For they did not love their lives to the point of death. See, your testimony is also not just what God has done, but what God is doing in your life through the Holy Spirit. Conquering him, conquering the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And you notice how it says there. This is talking about believers who are gathered. Obviously, we're looking at Revelation. So if you're a Bible reader, you kind of know that this is talking about the end of times. And there is power in the testimony that we have collectively as a body of believers. Your unique story, your unique testimony is not something for vain pursuit, but something for the Lord's Glory. See, the first thing I really want you to remember today is that the Holy Spirit empowers effective witness. The Holy Spirit empowers effective witness. See, as you grow in your faith, remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago if you were here or listened to the podcast online, that our faith should be an active faith, not a passive faith. So as we grow in our active faith, God is continuing and continually working in you. So you should be growing and maturing, which results in a growing and maturing testimony. In other words, if I'm truly following Jesus, if I'm truly spending time with him, if I'm truly making sure that I am following after him and growing in my faith each and every day, my story wasn't done when I said yes to Jesus. My story wasn't done when I just turned away to that one sin. But God is continuing to develop your story. 
time and time again. Imagine if the Apostle Paul's story ended after the road to Damascus. But look at the testimonies he has throughout all of Scripture of what the Lord has done for him. Your testimony does not end when you say yes to him. In fact, it is just beginning. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. And see, we often come to the scripture when we're talking about, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit, when we want to talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But there's so much more to this, and we see this, that we will be his witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon us to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This means, as I said, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be an effective witness of the power of Christ in my life and in your life. Have you ever had somebody point out to you what Jesus is doing in your life? Like sometimes you're just like, I don't know, in the clouds, airheaded, and you're just oblivious to what God is doing in your life. And somebody comes up to you, says, hello, slaps you upside the head and says, do you not see what Jesus is doing for you right now? Do you not see what God is laying before you? So what does it mean to be his witness? It means to testify of the things that he has done. We share in the story of the gospel. But it also comes alive for the unbeliever when they see and hear firsthand what God has done in your life. See, my testimony is not going to astound or relate to everyone. I could share that story with a large amount of people and not everybody's going to get it. Not everybody's going to receive it the same way. It's kind of like when you watch a movie and you're loving it and whoever you're there with or somebody just on the internet because you know trolls, they uh, hate it. Like, I love this. See, just like anything else, your story is going to uniquely impact somebody else. And that's the beauty of having a unique story. That doesn't mean we pursue to have unique, powerful, incredible past stories, you know, like I've talked about. But that means we don't rob God of the power in the story that he has developed within you. See, whether your testimony includes these things that have happened to you out of your control or out of the free will that God gave us, your story of how God has been a part of your life can have purpose does have purpose. Because purpose now exists where there was once none. Purpose now exists where there was once none. I don't know what each of your histories are like, but maybe you remember your life before Jesus, before experiencing his peace, before experiencing his grace. Saying, God, what's my purpose? Or maybe you're not even talking to God. You're like, I don't believe in anything right now. Saying, what's my purpose? Why am I here? But when we come to Christ, we begin to walk into our purpose. And part of our purpose is to share our story. Because now purpose exists where there once was none. And the best part is, you don't have to be a preacher or a pastor to do this. 
You don't need to be standing on this stage about uh, 18 inches off the ground with a microphone that's also streaming to Facebook and YouTube as long as the internet is working. You just have to be you. You just have to be who God made you and who God is continuing to develop you to be. You don't even have to be the best storyteller. Just look at what Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Give it a second so you can see it here on the screen. Here's how it reads. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. Just look at Moses. Moses tried this excuse. Moses said, but God, I still stutter. I can't do this. God said, yes, you can. You might still be growing in the gifts of the Spirit, but that doesn't mean that you can't demonstrate the Spirit's power, the Spirit's work in your life. And here's how you demonstrate it. You demonstrate this by not ignoring what God has done in your life. You demonstrate it by sharing what God has done in your life. They're saying, well, Pastor Dave, I'm still working on you know, these gifts of the Spirit thing. I'm still understanding it. That's okay, because you can still demonstrate it when you communicate what God has done, when you communicate what God is doing. See, that's the thing about God, is he doesn't ignore what he has done in your life. Instead, he confirms the testimony of believers. God confirms your testimony. Remember, your testimony has authority and power through Christ. Why? Because you have a testimony under the authority and the power of Christ. The authority and power of your testimony is not in and of yourself, but it's because your testimony comes through Jesus' authority and through Jesus' power. Your life didn't just change because you just read words in a book, but because you believed in the word of God and let the Holy Spirit work in you through the word, the living and active word, experiencing him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. You know how he lived among you for your benefit. And even more so, your testimony is evidence of your salvation in Christ. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It reads, For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard, so that we will not drift away. For if the message spoken through angels was legally binding, and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? 
This salvation had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord. And it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. And at the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles and distribution of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his will. See, we know that this salvation is essential because of what Christ has done for us. So it became essential that through God, we turn from our sin. This is our testimony of redemption. And this is because he convinces people of their need. The Holy Spirit convinces people of their need. See John 16, 7 verse 11. It reads, Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. And if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Thank God I was convicted of my sin when I was and found Christ when I did. And many of you may reflect a similar sentiment, saying, thank God that you were convicted of your sin when you were, and not a moment later. See, if we have not been convicted of our sin, we would not recognize our need for Christ and have never come to trust him as our Lord and as our Savior. See, the Holy Spirit, the counselor that Jesus spoke of here, is the one that lets us recognize our convictions and our turning to Christ for redemption. Just a moment, we're going to throw some soft music on in the background. See, you may have heard me say this before, but it's not my job to convict. It's the Holy Spirit's. It is not my job to convict others of their sin. It's the Holy Spirit's. It is my responsibility, not as a pastor, but as a follower of Christ, to share my testimony of the power, the wonder-working power of what Jesus has done in my life. And I pray that when I share the story that has been developed in me, the Holy Spirit does his thing. I'll do my part. I'll share what the Lord has done. I'll share what the Lord is doing. And say, God, let your Holy Spirit work in this. Let your Holy Spirit work in my story. Let your Holy Spirit begin to plant that seed inside of the heart of him or her that I'm sharing this story with. And that through your Spirit, conviction may be found. 
redemption, may be found grace, may be found mercy, may be found forgiveness. And the new life beginning. Because it's through this conviction that he brings people to new birth. You want to know the power your testimony has through the authority of Jesus? It's that when the Holy Spirit leads to conviction, the Holy Spirit then brings about new birth. See, it is our conviction, and in our conviction, that we come to Christ and are born again. You may remember that moment in your life. See, John 3, verses 5 through 8, says, Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. And whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. See, there's a life cycle, if you will, to a testimony that goes on and on if we let it and if we pray into it. And it started with me and my sin. Because when we follow what Scripture says, it's that sin leads to conviction. When the Holy Spirit is there and we hear Him and we're sensitive to Him, and we're in a place that we can hear Him spiritually. So my sin led me to a place where I experienced conviction. And my conviction leads me to a place where I share. And I share that story in a place where there is sin present. That the Holy Spirit may display conviction. That whoever has experienced that conviction then shares again. That sin to conviction to sharing to one with sin to experience conviction to a place of sharing to another with sin, into a place of conviction, to a place of sharing. What does it look like when I share what the Lord has done in my life? That the Holy Spirit begins to do what the Holy Spirit does. And a new person comes to experience Jesus' love and surrenders their life as his Lord and Savior, knowing his peace. And they get up and they share it with another. What does it look like for that to continue to cause a chain reaction? See, our sin happens and we are led to conviction through the Holy Spirit. So we share of what God has done with another person who needs to hear the message of the gospel. Is living in sin, bonded by sin, a slave to sin. Imagine what it's like when they're convicted of the Holy Spirit and they share. This Church is how we take the message of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. Not all of us are able to get on a plane and fly across the pond. 
but that doesn't mean the impact of the story that God has developed within you and is continuing to develop will not see endless eternal reward. So I want to close today with a very specific and unique way to close. And some of you guys are looking at your clocks right now and saying, but Pastor Dave, this is 15 minutes early. Nobody's ever complained you get out early, especially on the day that the Cleveland Browns are playing. But I ask you to hold on. Hold tight. See, here's the thing. I don't know the last time any of us might have shared our story. And as a rhetorical question, when was the last time you shared your story? Or shared part of your story? Or shared part of your testimony of what God has done in your life with another person? And when we understand the weight of sharing our testimony, the weight of sharing our story and the impact and the ability that saying, God, I'm just sharing this. You do with this as you do. Sometimes as Christians, we just need to try it. And I look across this room, and I know many of your stories, not everybody's. But as I look across this room, I can't help but wonder and ask, do we know the stories of each other in this room? Do we know the testimonies of what has taken place in this room? Maybe the person that just started coming here that I don't quite know well yet. We're still learning their names. Sometimes we wonder, God, how am I going to share my story with somebody who doesn't know you? Let me ask, when was the last time you shared it with somebody who does? Because when we also share our testimony with a believer, it is there for encouragement and uplifting. And I promise you that if you can tell your story to another person who's going to immediately celebrate what God has done in your life, it's going to be that much easier to share it with a person who needs to hear it for the first time, who needs to be exposed to the message of the gospel for the first time. So here's how we're closing our time today. It's 1117. For those of you who have kids, I want to highly encourage you, don't, when we close in a moment, don't go and just get your kids. I've already talked to Miss Allie. They have a very well-programmed kids' ministry that goes up to 1130, and I have no intention of robbing our children from learning and growing with this message of the gospel. But I also don't want to rob us of this opportunity. We're going to open the doors. We're just going to throw some light music on in the background. You can get that going. I'm going to pray. Go grab a cup of coffee. Sit in the cafe, sit in the foyer, chat in here. But share part of what your story is with somebody in this room. It doesn't need to be the hour-long version. But just share a part of it. Share something that God is actively doing in your life or that God has done in your life. It'll be an encouragement to another person in this room. It is an action of practice. I want to urge you not just to fall to the temptation of just standing up and walking out and saying, cool, I got out of church 10 minutes early. Because I believe that this is a sacred time where we can grow as a body of believers, not just in enjoyment and celebration of what God is doing throughout this body, but as preparation for what God wants to do through us as we share our story with those who need to hear him. So I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. And as I said, go grab a cup of coffee or just turn around. If you're an extrovert, adopt an introvert and just ask them, hey, what's your story? Sometimes they need that help. So God, we just thank you 
for the stories that you have crafted inside of this room, the testimonies of your goodness and your faithfulness as we have pursued you as your followers, as your children. God, allow us to experience the power that you have through the stories you've given us so that we can grow in our sharing and create the opportunity for your Holy Spirit to do the convicting as I seek to do my part. Let our stories challenge and encourage each other in this next time together, that we may leave this place encouraged and excited about all the things that you have done. Be with us in our conversation, and in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, let me encourage you, share it with one person before you leave today. And here's somebody else's, because I trust that God has something powerful to happen in our conversations. Grab a cup of coffee, may God bless you. Thanks for joining us. If this message impacted you or you would like to get in contact with us, you can visit us at www.rockofgrace.org. Also, be sure to share this message with a friend or subscribe so you never miss a message. God bless.